Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. So I got um, just a thought today that, that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, a little bit in regards to our men, but it's not just a message for, for our men. Uh, and I guess I'll start with a story. We've got, we've got three dogs. I know you kind of hear about us talk about them a lot. Um, I love dogs. And when we decided to have a dog, I wanted a Rottweiler. I was really excited about getting a Rottweiler. And instead, somehow, we have three Yorkshire Terriers, <laughs> which don't even add up to, like, a Rottweiler leg. Like, they're just the tiniest little... Anyway, um, but we have... We bought one dog. It was a female with the worst separation anxiety you've ever seen in your life. So apparently, the answer to that is to get another dog. So somebody gave us another Yorkie, but gave us a male. Two litters later, <laughs> we ended up keeping the runt of the second litter. And we, we had gotten, gotten rid of, adopted out. What's the proper word to use? Sold. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's kind of what we did. Um, um, we adopted them out to loving families, and, but we kept the runt of the second litter. One of the reasons we kept this dog <clears throat> is because, you know, often when you have a runt, sometimes they don't make it. And this dog was certainly not going to make it. She was losing weight. The other puppies were pushing her out of the way so she couldn't feed. And so my son would... Uh, <laughs> that came out of left field. <laughs> <clears throat> Man, those sneak up on you. My son would get this dog and would pray over this dog every day. Lord, she's going to make it. She's going to make it. He would pray in tongues over this dog. And out of nowhere, she just started pushing her way through and got to what she needed and started feeding. And the other dogs were like, all right, you know. And she started to grow. She started to put on weight, and she made it. So one Christmas morning, as we were, because they thought we were getting rid of all of the dogs, uh, which was kind of my desire, and um, they opened up a box, and inside the box was just one word written on a piece of paper that said Ruby. And they're like, we're keeping Ruby! And so it was like this big present that we got to keep Ruby, and it was a real miracle that this dog actually made it. Well, not too long after that, we have a sliding back door. And our, our kitchen that goes outside, when you got a house full of kids, it's like, shoo, 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 shoo. You might as well just have a revolving door. Um, but little Ruby, not the brightest dog, stuck her head out there, and a kid went by and slammed the door without thinking, and her head just went boom and smashed right between the door frame and the door itself. And she's laying on the ground, little tiny dog, uh, blood coming out of her ears, coming out of her nose. And I was actually not home, um, this is going to surprise you, I was on a bike ride, and then I got home and got back to the car, I looked at my phone, and all I could hear is Romy incoherently, ah, Ruby, ah, and I was like, oh my gosh, they had rushed the dog to the emergency room, and uh, doctors are like, this dog's not going to make it, um, but if you let us keep her in a thousand dollar a day oxygen tent, she may have a chance. 
And long story short, this dog, um, it was like a financial thing we couldn't do. It was a medical thing that wasn't going to happen. And Romy tells this story. She was washing, she went to the bathroom and started to wash the blood off her hands from carrying the dog in there. And the Lord spoke to her and said, I'm going to give you your dog back healed and whole so that you'll believe everything that I've told you. Now, what the Lord had been telling her, and us, but her specifically, part of it was the revival that our church is experiencing right now. That there is going to be a people who will learn how to surrender and be so filled with the presence of God and His glory and His power that it's going to shake our city. But our current existence of what was happening wasn't reflecting that. You ever have God speak something to you and you're like, that sounds great, but I don't know how that's going to happen with where I'm at right now or what I'm doing right now. And so it was so far out of the realm of possibility that it just had to be God. I like that when God gives you a vision, gives you a dream, it's often beyond what you could possibly see, hope, or imagine. Because He's the God who can do more than you could ask, hope, or imagine according to the power that's at work within you, Ephesians 3.20. So there's more to it, but a large part of what God had spoken to Romy was what we're living in now. There's so much more to come. But He said, I'm going to give you your dog back healed and whole so you'll believe what I said. And sure enough, long story short, dog gets healed, was supposed to lose an eye, was going to not be able to walk, was going to have seizures. None of that's happened. She can see fine. In fact, here's a, here's a picture of her here. That's little Ruby. And uh, that's partly Bella's hair, partly Ruby. I guess that kind of all goes in together. But we had a moment the other night, and it was a great moment for Romy because it's like, I'm giving you this dog back healed and whole so that you will believe what I've said. So then, the other night, we were heading to one of our Friday, Friday night house churches, and we were a little bit down the road, and Rummy goes, oh, I forgot my glasses. So, turned around, it's like, all right, let's go back, get her glasses. As we came home, um, pulled up in the front yard, our neighbors across the road were dog-sitting a friend's massive pit bull. Now, I love pit bulls. Pit bulls are great with humans not great with other dogs. And sure enough, my dogs have a tendency to bust through the door, and here comes little Ruby, who thinks she's a pit bull, but she's not. I think we lost the picture. She's three pounds. It's there somewhere. You saw her. That's Ruby, not a pit bull. She comes busting out and forgets that she's three pounds and runs at this pit bull. This pit bull does what any dog would probably do, picks up Ruby and is biting Ruby and shaking her like a rag doll. I mean, like tossing her around, puts her on the ground. It's, you know, muddy it's been, puts her on the ground and is, is killing this dog. And I'm, I'm in the car trying to get my seatbelt off and going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And, you know, that little thing, one shake, and you've broken her back. She's done. This, this dog was a big, strong dog. And it is just like, boom, boom, shaking her all over, biting her like crazy. Oh, she got a little dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get the seatbelt off, rush over, was able to basically get this dog, don't ask me how, uh, to release Ruby. 
grabbed Ruby, ran inside, and Bella's watching this whole thing. It's right in front of her, but she can't do anything about it. And I ran inside, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, she's so muddy. I've got to go wash her off to see where the puncture wounds are, to see what's broken, to see whatever. And, so I, and she's just covered in mud. And so I take her into the bathroom, and I begin to wash this dog off. And as the mud is going down the drain, and she's getting clean, and I'm looking at her all over the place, and I went, I don't get it. This is only mud. There's no blood. There's no puncture wounds. And not only that, but she's looking at me and, like, smiling. <laughs> like, did you see what I just did? You know? I'm like, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> That was Rocky before the comeback, you know what I mean? <laughs> and she's got no broken bones. She shakes off the water and goes and runs in the living room. She's not a scratch on this dog. No broken bones, no puncture wounds. And I'm just like, this dog. And then I'm driving, once I calm the kids down and convince Jai not to kill the pit bull, um, we're driving away, and I went, the Lord just goes, healed and whole. Healed and whole. Are you going to believe me or not? Now, a funny part of this story is we, we've had some pretty big pastoral care stuff this past couple of weeks. And I was dealing with a situation that I didn't have answers for. There was a close friend who really needed deliverance. And it hadn't happened yet. Like really, really needed some deliverance. And I'm going, God, I'm... I'm praying for this person, and I'm doing what I know, but I don't see it working. I don't see it taking, and God, I actually don't know what to do. And he goes, I want you to believe everything that I said was going to happen. And to give you a picture of this again, here's your dog healed and whole. Because when you don't see the breakthrough happening that you want to happen immediately... Are you still going to believe me? Are you still going to trust me? Are you still going to know that this place will be a place where the oppressed come and are found by Jesus and set free? Are you going to believe that this is a place of not just physical outward healing, but inner healing? That people's souls and minds and spirits are going to be renewed. They're going to be set free. And when they're free, they're going to return to the places long devastated and they're going to renew cities. Are you going to believe what I said? You know what? I needed that. I'm a man of faith. I needed it. I needed to be reminded, that's right. I do believe everything that you said. And so what I felt compelled by God this week is that He told me to keep preaching repentance and revival will flow. Keep preaching repentance and revival will flow. Your people, when I say your people, it's not a possessive thing. It's, we're all His people. We are His sheep. This is His pasture. So your people is like Romy is my people. I don't own her. She's in my family, Right? So when I say your people, you don't belong to me. When the Lord says your people, it's like our people. Does that make sense? Your people will be healed and whole. Your people, I'm adding this now, will sleep at night. They will sleep 
in peace. <laughs> Your people will be healed and whole. So I feel like the Lord, we preach revival all the time. But it's repentance that leads to revival. Because revival comes at a cost. It, it comes at a cost. We can have revival because of what Jesus has done. But it requires all of us. If you want all of Jesus, it requires all of you. He took the first step. The first step to revival is not what I do. It's responding to what he's already done. The Bible says why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get everything fixed before he came. Look, you got to stop smoking, cussing, and drinking, and then I'll come. He goes, no, I'm going to come right in the middle of your sin because if you weren't sick, you wouldn't need a doctor. But you're sick, so I'm coming, and I've got the cure. He did it first. We respond to what he did. But revival comes at a cost. Revival requires change in us. It requires change in us. And what it requires, specifically what I want to talk about today, is revival requires us to let go. And the Lord's encouraging me. He's stirring me to encourage you to let go. I don't know what it is specifically for people here today, but he wants us to let go of some stuff. I'm going to read to you from Ephesians chapter 4. It might be a little lengthy. I hope you're okay with me reading long passages of Scripture. And honestly, I do it because I, I don't like just throwing verses out because you might miss the context of what he's talking about. But Ephesians chapter 6 is a scripture that a lot of people know. It talks about the armor of God. I love that. The helmet of salvation, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. It's a lot of sort of external pictures. Like I'm going to put on armor. It's a very, I know some of the things dealing with are internal, but it's, it's kind of this, let's put on some stuff and go out and fight. But chapter 4 and chapter 5, Paul is talking about the internal stuff. So in order to understand the armor of God, we first have to understand what he's talking about in chapters 4 and 5. And this is what he says. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. I think that means it's important. I tell you and insist in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now a Gentile in this context he's talking about is someone who is not yet a believer in Jesus, not yet a follower of Jesus. That's his context here. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. I just realized, I hope I gave them the same version that I have. If you have a different version, read your version. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due, catch this, to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So Paul is saying, don't be like that. But in verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Christ Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
put off the old self. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self. Are you following me? Put off the old self. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self. There's no putting on the new until you first have put off the old. You don't get up and get dressed in the morning and put it on top of the clothes that you wore the day before. There has to be a putting off before there is a putting on. The armor of God comes on once we have given over the interior stuff in our hearts that the Holy Spirit has put His finger on and said, Hey, give that over. That's old self. Lay it down. Crucify it. Get rid of it. Then you can take on the external stuff. So Paul says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. Isn't that interesting? Not only don't steal, but get to work. There's a change that has to happen. When you've been renewed on the inside, it's not just an internal change, but it leads to outward change. Now that you no longer steal, go get a job. Now that you're saved, stop acting like you used to act. There's change that has to happen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We'll get to that in a minute. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. You see, Paul starts with the internal before he ever talks about the external. And the internal he's talking about is the condition of our hearts. The condition of your heart is a much bigger deal than anything that you put on the exterior. Because the Bible says, out of your heart flow the issues of life. It's what flows out of your heart that determine what your life actually looks like. I quoted Ephesians 3.20 earlier, that God can do more than you could ask, hope, or imagine according to the power that's at work within you. Not the church you go to, not the Bible you read, not the scriptures you memorized, not how much you gave or how many teams you served on. It's the power in you that determines how much God can do through you. And the heart, what we're talking about with the heart is it's three things. It's your mind, it's your will, and it's your emotions. That's, when the Bible says heart, that's what it means. Your mind, your will, your emotions. So God is concerned about what you think about. God is concerned about what you desire, your will, and God's concerned about how you feel. Are you encouraged that God is concerned about how you feel? It's not just about doing stuff. He wants you to feel Him, His presence. I don't know why for so long we've been taught, don't trust your emotions, don't be led by your emotions, and what people have gotten from that is don't have any emotions. But God gave them to you. He gave you your emotions so that you can perceive Him. He wants you to feel His love. It's no good for me to tell Romy I loved her on the day we got married and never actually demonstrate any love for her. She wants to feel my love for her, usually by cleaning the house. 
which is not necessarily the way I want to display that love for her. So what does he say about the condition of your hearts? Don't let your hearts get hard. Put off falsehood. Do you know how you put off falsehood? It doesn't just mean don't tell lies. Putting off falsehood means you also don't believe lies. Sometimes it's not the falsehood I tell, it's the falsehood that I've believed. And the only power that a lie has over you is to the degree that you've believed it. I get lied to all the time. Anybody get lied to all the time? Does the enemy try to tell you lies? You're no good. You're worthless. It only has power if I believe it. Put off the old self and be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self. So what does it actually mean to put off the old self? How do we, how do we put it off? If our heart... If the old self is connected to our heart, and it means our mind, our will, and our emotions, how do we put it off? Well, do you know how to catch a monkey? <laughs> Funny question, right? So, when we're, I've seen this in, in, in Africa, and I know it's, it's taking place in some places in India. They want to catch monkeys sometimes, so they can sell them for pets to people who want monkeys as pets. Why do you want a monkey? Bella wants a monkey as a pet. I'm like, it's, that's the worst possible decision you could ever have other than three Yorkies for a pet is a monkey. But to catch a monkey, they're very hard to, like, you're not going to climb a tree. They're quick. They're agile. You're not going to actually catch them. So they got really smart. And what they did is they would take a coconut and they would hollow out a part of that coconut. And inside that coconut, they would place a green banana because these particular types of monkeys love green bananas. But the whole was only big enough for the monkey to fit their hand inside the hole. And they would put an eye bolt through the other end of the monkey, the other end of the coconut. Wow. 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 Moving on to my next illustration. <laughs> they would put like an eye bolt or something like that through the other end of the coconut. There we go and then tie it to a tree. So what would happen is the monkey would come around looking for his favorite food, the green bananas, and would see, be so curious because they've never seen a hollowed out coconut before, picks it up and sees there's a banana in it. So what does the monkey do? I'm going to get that banana. And it reaches in and grabs the banana, but the problem is it can't get the banana back out because the hole is only big enough for the monkey to fit his hand in, but once he grabs the banana and forms a fist, he can't pull it back out. Now here's the problem. That monkey will not let go of that banana. And so all the person trying to catch the monkey has to do is walk right up. Monkey's going crazy. Just put a little rope around his neck and then lead them away. Cut the coconut off, cut it in half, whatever, and lead the monkey away. Now that monkey is bewildered. It's bewildered. It got trapped. But the monkey did not get trapped by a coconut. And the monkey didn't even get trapped by a banana. The monkey got trapped by an idea. Because in this little monkey brain, see the banana, grab the banana, eat the banana. That makes sense, doesn't it? It looks good. It's available. 
I'm going to eat that. But something got mixed up in that equation because they're not able to eat it. They can't get it out. Sometimes in our thinking, what we thought would work isn't working anymore. It's not yielding the fruit and the result that we thought that it was going to yield. But instead of going, well, maybe I should stop doing that, we just keep holding on to that same idea. The monkey is trapped by an idea. Putting off the old self is letting go of the banana. Because what's coming wants to enslave me. What's coming is trying to capture me. And I'm going, Jesus, save me from my enemies. God, save me from the devil. He's, he's coming. And God's going, just let go of the banana. If you want to put off the old self, you got to let go of the banana. What's the banana? It's the old mindset that Paul's talking about. The banana is any thinking that aligns with the values of the world and not the values of the kingdom. It's an interesting thing, this kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is the world upside down. It's why Jesus says the gospel is foolishness in the minds of men. And he uses this foolishness to bring about the gospel. Wait, the, the king of heaven, like the creator of the universe, makes himself a human and then dies a criminal's death? That's victory? Even confuse the devil on that one. You see, it's upside down. The only difference is the kingdom is actually right side up and it's the world that's upside down. The world says, get yours. The world says, you have to promote yourself in order to have success. And the kingdom says, no, live sold out for Jesus and he shall supply all your needs. Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The world goes, no, seek the things and at some point you'll get the righteousness. And the kingdom goes, no, 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 righteousness first. But when you're living from the perspective of the world, the kingdom looks upside down. Do you know how I realize when I'm actually living for the kingdom? Is when the world finally starts looking upside down. When I look at the world and go, you're trying to make as much money as you can and spend it on yourself and then die and hope you get to heaven? Is that not upside down to me? You, you, I don't get it. So you know you're right side up sometimes when the world looks upside down. So if you think everything's upside down, you're probably in a good place, all right? If you think, this is perfectly normal, perfectly normal, the world, it's the new normal, I love that, the new normal, virtual, are my favorite words right now. Old mindset is thinking that aligns with the values of the world and not the values of the kingdom. And that's why Paul refer, refers to it as the futility of their thinking, the Gentiles, the non-believers. Their thinking is futile. It's believe lies. It's anger that sins, bitterness, slander, malice. He lists all of those. Remember, the monkey isn't trapped by the coconut. He's trapped by an idea. We get trapped by wrong thinking. 
And that wrong thinking has created what Paul calls a foothold for that monkey. It's a funny thing about foothold. There's no doubt he's got a foothold. But he also has the power to get rid of the foothold. Some thinking that people have, I I know that I've seen, is God may be good, but he hasn't been good to me. He's good to everybody else. God doesn't love me. I need to do enough good things for God to love me. I'm not capable of love. Smoking a little weed is okay. Getting drunk in my own home is okay. A little porn won't hurt anybody. I believe in Jesus, but I don't need to fully surrender. The Holy Spirit is okay, but I don't need to be filled. My wife prays enough for the both of us. There's bananas. And I believe the Lord's telling us this morning to let go of the banana. I've had bananas too. My bananas, you need the approval of man. Doing ministry will replenish you. I hate to tell you it doesn't. I can't ask for help. Those are the bananas that I've held on to at times. You're too busy to pray. Okay, the wife thing was probably mine too. If I ignore it, it will go away. If you're right, then there's no need to apologize. Lord, save me! My enemy's coming! He's right there! If you loved me, you'd save me. He's going, okay, let go of the banana. The problem is the idea works in our head. It should work, though. It works for them, but it's not actually yielding the fruit that we thought it would, and it's taking our freedom. And footholds get created, not by the bad idea or the wrong thinking. The foothold gets created when we grasp hold of that wrong thinking, and we can't let it go. And that foothold is demonic influence in your life. It is being manipulated and eventually controlled by demons. Wait a minute. Christians can't have demons. Right? You can't be filled with God and have a demon. Right? Those two two things can't occupy the same space. You're either fully with God or you're fully with the devil. Who's Paul writing to? He's writing to Christians. He's writing to the Ephesian church. Paul the apostle is writing to Christians saying, don't give the devil a foothold. Why would he say that if it wasn't possible? Is it possible for Christians to have a demon? A Christian can have anything he wants. You grant demonic influence in your life when you refuse to let go of the banana. When you hold on to things that are enslaving you, you grant a foothold to the enemy in your own heart. What is your heart? Your mind, your desires, your emotions. Sometimes you, some of you are trying to figure out 
Why do I keep having these same negative thoughts? Why is it whenever somebody gives me a compliment, I criticize myself internally? I say thank you externally, but internally, all I can think of is that they're wrong, and here's 10 other things of what's wrong with me. Why can't I stop this? It's because you have a demonic foothold. It's the lies of the enemy that are telling you this. And if you're a Christian who thinks, I can't be harassed by demons if I have Jesus, then you're going to miss the key to being able to get those footholds off of your life. I'm not saying you're possessed. I'm not saying you have no control of your life. All I'm saying is, all of us as Christians, at times, need to get rid of footholds that get created in our lives. But I'm going to show you how to do that. The problem with these is if you believe that you cannot be influenced by demons, if you as a Christian can't give the enemy access to your own heart through things like holding on to bananas, then you resort to a self-help evangelism. Give me 10 steps I need to do to be happy. God just goes, let go of the banana. Yeah, but how many, what country do I have to go to and proclaim the gospel? Just let go of the banana. That's all. And keep letting go of it. Keep letting go of it. The way that you do that first is to let the Holy Spirit arrest your thinking. Arrest, like literally. The Bible says, um, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The problem with taking every thought captive is, I don't always know which thoughts are good and which are bad. Because when I get a compliment and I externally say thank you, but the internal is negative and the internal is critical, I'm like, I don't always recognize that as the voice of the enemy. And I'll get confused and think, well, that's what my dad sounded like. Not my dad. My dad doesn't do that. But if you've had a critical father and you hear those negative words, you think it's the voice of your heavenly father because that's the way that your earthly father spoke to you and that's just the way dads talk. And your heavenly father goes, no, let go of that banana because that's not my voice. The only way to know the difference is to let the Holy Spirit arrest, arrest your thinking, put, put it under arrest, take it captive. So what I do is I say, Lord, would you search me? Would you know me? See if there's any, clean, any unclean way within me. Is there any lie that I've chosen to believe? Is there any lie that I didn't actually choose, but I believed without knowing it? Let him arrest it. Let him challenge your thinking. You can't just think about what you think about because if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. If you believed a lie to you, it's truth. And it's only the Holy Spirit that will separate the truth from the lie. And if you ask him, he'll show you, here is a lie that you've believed and arrest it. Now, once the Holy Spirit arrests your thinking, let go. How do we let go of the thinking? Lord, I confess that that thought is sin. It's sin. And I repent of that thought. I sever any agreement that I've made with that thought. Forgive me for agreeing with that. Now here's the big thing. You ready for this? God doesn't just want to get rid of the lies. He wants to replace them with His truth. So once you've severed that thing and severed the agreement with it, Lord, would you speak your truth to me? And then you get filled again. This is not a one-time occurrence. This is several times a day for me. Several times a day. God, what did I believe? What did I believe? What did I believe? 
And it sounds like, oh, come on, can we just get on with our day? It's not that bad. Yes, I have that thought every now and then. Yes, I do this thing every now and then. But it's not that bad. It's not killing anybody. It's not doing anything. And it's the same thing that monkey said until he saw this captor coming. At first, it was just like, oh, it's not that bad. I'm sure I can figure this out. And then as the enemy got closer and closer, things ramped up. Can I tell you, don't wait for the enemy to put this noose around your neck before you let go because it might be too late. But you don't actually know how close that thing is to you. Let go now. Let God arrest your thinking now. Let him deal with it now. And you can be set free. Repent. Forgive. Believe. Stop asking God to do what only you can do. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and pure us from all unrighteousness. We confess, He forgives. We confess, He purifies. We have to take that step. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved when you grab the banana Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, then when I grab hold of wrong thinking, when I have wrong desires, when my emotions are not lined up with what God has for me, the Holy Spirit goes, oh no, don't grab that one. And then you go, thank you. And the Holy Spirit's not grieved. It's when you grab hold of the wrong thinking and the wrong desires and the wrong emotions that the Holy Spirit's, oh, don't do that. And you're like, uh, this will work. And he's grieved because he's like, no, it's not. It's not going to work. Come on, let go. He's grieved because he knows what's coming. And he's not going to cut your hand off. But it grieves the Holy Spirit. Do you know gossip is one of these things? He talks about slander. That's gossip. When you start to hear gossip, do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that says, don't you grab that banana. Don't even go near the coconut. And do you go, guys, I'm out. I'm out. Because if you're in a gossipy situation and you're hearing gossip and you're not grieved, you might not be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't mean that to be a heavy. But gossip's a big thing. If I'm enjoying gossip, I have a foothold. If I'm not grieved when I hear gossip, I'm probably not all that filled with the Holy Spirit. If I'm gossiping myself... I've gossiped before at times, I'm sure. I, we need to be praying for That's a form of gossip, right? <laughs> I'm really concerned about. And there's moments that I've started to say that, and the Holy Spirit goes, oh, don't grab that banana. And I'm like, thank you. You know what? I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. And there's moments when I haven't. And then all of a sudden, then the next person's like, oh, yeah. And have you heard 
I'm not going to say where I hear those conversations, but you'd be surprised where those conversations happen sometimes. And I'm just like, like sometimes it's people that you look up to that are having those conversations, and you thought they wouldn't be like that. But because they're people you look up to, you're like, oh, I guess that's okay. But when the Holy Spirit in you is going, don't you grab that banana. I'll deal with them. Don't you grab that banana. Is you got to go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you've given us the power to let go of wrong thinking. You've given us your spirit. You've given us your word that divides soul and spirit. The soul, by the way, your heart, that's your soul. It's the same thing. It divides your soul from your spirit. Meaning when my thinking gets wrong, your spirit in me goes, hey, that's wrong, let go. And I pray that your word will help us with this. I pray that when it comes to gossip and slander, Lord, that we're able to let go of that. And we can speak words of life. I thank you, Lord, that you're not just a referee blowing your whistle. You're not a policeman coming to write us a ticket when we get it wrong. You're a loving father who has truth for us, who has love for us, who has life for us. And you want to keep us from anything that would try to steal your life, your love, and your freedom from us. So Lord, thank you. I pray that as we lay things down, I pray that as we let go of things, I believe the Lord's speaking to some of you this morning of what that thing is. He's starting to reveal some bananas to you. And I'd encourage you right now, just let go. Give it to Him now. Lord, I give that to you. I let go of that thing. Forgive me for thinking that way. Forgive me for indulging in that behavior. I let go of it. I no longer will have my thinking attached to the things of the world. I don't want my thinking upside down any longer. Arrest my thinking. Turn my world upside down. That I will seek your kingdom first. And it's righteousness. Not the things of the world. And God, I thank you that you love us. And you're with us. Fill us again. Fill us with your truth. Speak your truth to us, Lord that we would live with it inside us, that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. It'll set you free if you just let go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.